The process of landing investment banking job offers can often feel like a black box, which leads to confusion and anxiety for most of the candidates going through it. Hey, my name is Sam Shaw, and I'm the founder of Wall Street Mastermind. I've personally coached numerous students on how to successfully break into top-tier investment banks, including Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, Centerview, Evercore, and PJT Partners, just to name a few. On this podcast, I'm going to help you demystify the investment banking recruiting process by sharing what the clients of Wall Street Mastermind have done to get results like these. Enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Sam Shaw and I'm the founder of Wall Street Mastermind. This is Wall Street Mastermind's Elevate program where we take our flagship coaching program and give it away for free to high potential students who are currently in a difficult financial situation. The goal of this show is to first and foremost give these students the coaching and guidance that they wouldn't be able to get otherwise and help them break into investment banking. Of course, we also want to give all of you an in-depth look at how to go about your own investment banking preparation process the right way so that you can model it after the same proven methodology and strategies that we've used to place over 90% of our students into investment banking across every single bulk bracket and elite boutique bank over the last several years. With hundreds of thousands of applicants competing to break into investment banking globally each year, our team only has the bandwidth to help a very small percentage of you. So my hope is that this show helps all of you, even if you aren't able to directly participate in our program and work with us. So let's get to it. In this session, we answer some questions Shimena had about how to ace higher view interviews, which are becoming more common as the first initial screen that banks use during the interview process. She has also started studying for her technical interviews, so we answer some of her questions around the three financial statements. Hey guys, Sam Shah here, founder of Wall Street Mastermind. We're back today with another session with Shimena, and we are going to, I guess, just start off by getting an update on the latest and greatest. So you just, you were saying before we got on here, you just took two higher views for JP Morgan, right? It's kind of like yeah. what happened for the last three or four sessions is kind of all the behavioral questions and things like that. So how did that go? Like, was um, so I think definitely um, the first one, I don't know. I was so nervous. I was so nervous. I was so nervous. I really, I don't know how that, I know the second one I, I did really well on, on, I think, but the first one, I don't know. I was just freaking out. Everything went over my head. I tried to have my note sheets and everything went over my head. I did the two recordings. Mm-hmm. Um, I use the two recordings, but I don't know. I definitely ended up a little bit disappointed on that. Um, but that it's the, all, sorry. First hire of you ever. Yeah, it was my first hire of you ever. Um, and I mean, they give you the resources. Even um, I don't know if you if you've posted it yet, but they have um, they sent you a link that's called like practice Um, I don't know if you've post that but I think that's something really great I think it's public and I think that can it, it it gives you like random higher view questions and it helps you prep directly exactly how the interview is going to go um so I tried doing a couple of those but of course you never know what the actual questions are going to be and I think like you had said different places will ask you different questions so I'd reached out to some people on Wall Street Mastermind but they were um recruiting for a different year and so and they had told me like it's possible that they'll just ask you the same ones so I prepped for those but they weren't in the end um which is okay but it's just definitely um I think even just besides I think I I I'm getting a lot better at memorizing them um but I think it was really fresh and it's just like the flexibility of like 
changing around the words of what the actual question is asking. So like when I got the question, like just like three different answers came to mind and I was just like struggling throughout the question. So I think it's just like, as I go through more preps, I just wish it hadn't been that one, but that was my first inquiry. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I also don't know. Um, you've also said like to name drop whenever it's good. I don't know if it's good to name drop on a higher view. Like, are you asking? Me that, yeah. Um, I think it's fine. I yeah, I think I think it's just like just like any other interview, but it depends on how you do it, right? Yeah. Also depends yeah. on what, what's the context, you know, like what what is the question that they're asking and how are you how are you weaving in this banker that you talk to you have to do it yeah kind of organically and not make it feel super forced right mm -hmm. yeah well the last you question you're, you're, you're smiling in a way that <laughs> because it was just the most embarrassing question it was it was um it was like what what have you done um to look more like into this program it was the AHL. so i talked about like oh i've like read more about this program and in this website and this website and i've reached out to so and so and like i've like scheduled a meeting for next week with so and so but i don't know it just felt really awkward talking to the camera naming people so that like when i'm thinking back on it it felt really cringy just because i've never done that before um, so I don't know, it's just like, I think like if someone's like watching the video of, or like that person's like, yeah, oh, well actually it's because the ne the following week, the person I had scheduled the interview, she never showed up on the Zoom call. So I freaked out. I was like, maybe she saw my higher view and was like this girl and then canceled it. Um, so I, I would just say, I think the way you brought that up is very organic. Mm -hmm. it's like in the context of answering the question that it was part of what you were doing to learn more about this program. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah. it's totally fine. Any cringiness is just strictly in your head. Like your head, yeah. you're kind of getting to yourself a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of the person not showing up, that happens. Like with these networking calls, you know, you guys schedule ahead of time and then bankers are really busy. Sometimes like, sometimes a lot of times they get these last minute they call it fire drills which is like when your boss just drops some work on your desk and says like hey we need this in the next hour or we need this in the next two hours or mm -hmm. oh like this last minute request just came in from a client and like when that happens uh they're always going to prioritize their work over speaking to some college student like they just mm -hmm. are right and she probably should have like at least sent you an email saying like, hey, sorry, I can't make this time or whatever. But a lot of times they don't even have time to do that. So yeah. um, did you follow up with her afterwards? I did. I followed up with her um, a few minutes later, like 10, 15 minutes later. I was like, hi, is this still a good time? But she never answered. So I just kind of looked at that. Um, I think it's more likely that she's got busy or forgot. Yeah. As to she saw your higher view. I think like, you know, like, there's probably going to be only like one person or two people that watch your higher view at most. It's not like mm -hmm. they send you a higher view out to the entire firm and just ask everyone to watch it, you know? Yeah. Also, I think like the way you said it, I think you, what you said was at least based on what you just said is I'm going to be talking to this person. Not yes. I already talked to this person. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's not, that's, that's the truth. It's not mm -hmm. like you said, 
I talked to this person, had a great conversation and you haven't talked to her yet. And then they went and asked her like, yeah. hey, this Shimena mentioned that she talked to you. And then she's like, I have no idea who you're talking about. It's not like that. Right? Mm -hmm. So I don't think you need to worry about it. I, it sounds like though, honestly, like a lot of people get thrown off by higher views, especially like the first time they do it. Yeah. So it's normal. You yeah. Know? And what I will say is like, yeah, this is for the sophomore program. It's not for the junior program. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've been telling myself. Yeah. But you had a separate hire you for a different program, sounds like. You applied. Um, yeah. So then this program directed you to something else that you could apply for, which is another, it's like an immersion program. So I'm hoping for that. That one, I think, went a lot better. Um, I was just more prepared and I had like an extra week to practice my questions. So I was doing a lot of reps. And it's like an immersion program where they're supposed to invite you to New York for like two days. Um, in January, I believe, um, to be like in person, but that's also like, it seems like it's quite um, selective. So I'm shooting for that. Um, and I talked with a banker this morning from JP Morgan, who really, really wants to help. She was really, really sweet. So she, we're getting coffee again next week. And she was like, if you need help with anything, just let me know of any programs and I'll direct them. So that one I'm having, I'm, I have three calls today and they've gone really well today. I have one at seven. Um, but they're going, it's just like, as you get the reps in, but I don't know, I'm getting yeah. too excited because they're like, I'm starting to like understand and like have more like organic conversations yeah. where I'm yeah. not freaking out. So, yeah. Well, that's great. That sounds like, it sounds like you're starting to get the hang of it and you probably used the, the frameworks a couple of times now in terms of like how to have the conversation. And so yeah, it just becomes more second nature and then it doesn't feel awkward anymore, right? Yeah, and for sure. Hierarchies. Eventually, hierarchies won't feel awkward to you once you've done it a few times. Because um, I'm looking at the list of questions that you just sent me, which, by the way, I dropped you the link to the database. If you could drop it in there, that'd be huge. Um, but I'm looking at these questions that they gave you. Doesn't really sound like there's any like curveball questions or like super unexpected questions. They, yeah. These are mostly questions that we already covered. Mm -hmm. there. so it's really just a matter it's not that they caught you off guard but you just like probably could have executed better yeah like. yeah I think so it's it's like it's an organization thing you just have to be kind of organized and like have the events I just I think I overthink it too much which is what I used to do on the phone calls as well where I was like elevator pitch this 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 and then I would go and then it'd be like um um and then I would freeze that's kind of what this higher view kind of felt like I just had so many things I wanted to take information out from and then I kind of froze a couple of times um so they, we'll see how that goes you, they give you like a certain amount of prep time before you start recording right Yes. And actually there's something that somebody asked because, so what I've been doing a lot when I'm networking, I'm, I'm shooting for, I guess, quality over quantity. I'm definitely like shooting a lot of emails, but that's what I've been trying to do with like, I go to a lot of different events for different banks and I ask a question and then I follow up on LinkedIn and then they usually connect. And then it's so easy to like talk to them and be like, Hey, you talked about this and this. Right. Um, and it's worked super, super well with callbacks. Yeah. Um, but where I was going with this was, um, sorry, where was I going with this? That was fine. Um, um, I think we were just saying, uh, what was I saying? Oh, train. Um, yeah, I just got thrown off too. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, okay, quantity over quality, I said that, but before, um, okay. 
trying to think. I don't know. Um, but but I mean, like the higher views. Oh, I asked you, like, do they give you prep time before? Yes. Okay. So this is like the thing where like you have this you have like apparently you have a few seconds to prep before the question but then you do the the whole thing where it's two minutes long and then you have a, like a pause time and you can choose to watch your video or you can re-record but that time that you pause is infinite there is no time where you have to go on you can literally like be there and do the higher view like three, four, five times, six times, seven times, like on your camera, and then just click on like redo and then redo it. Um, which somebody somebody brought up as a, as a, that's what I was saying, as a concern during one of the events. And I'm sure like multiple people were like, do not, do not say that. He was like, wait, so why do we have unlimited time to prep between the two things? It's <laughs> like, no. And they were like, we will look into it. Oh, um, why are you going to be that guy? No. Um, no, but what I was going to say is like, look, if you get prep time, either before your first try or in between your two tries, you're either or. If you're just like, because it sounds like the issue is you had your answers, but like you kind of got flustered, right? You could even make flashcards. Yeah, that's what I started doing. With your outline, with your spark outlines, with whatever your outline is for each of your examples. Mm -hmm. And then when you get the question, just like, during the prep time, just go to that flashcard and you can organize your thoughts like, okay, here are my talking points, right? Yeah. You don't have to be like the entire answer written out because you probably don't have time to read that, but just to jot your memory a little bit, I think that would be helpful, you know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And maybe um, even, you can even tape the flashcard like right here on your- That's screen. what I did actually. In this last one I did, I did exactly that. I put a little slip and put it like right here just oh. for the three top points and then elaborated on it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So anyway, it sounds like yeah. first one thing goes well, second one went a lot better, but overall it was good learning experience and just you're starting to get the hang of things and I'm sure you have a lot more higher views in the future too. So yeah, I hope so. I think like at this point, it's just feeling like I joined your program in like February so I feel like it's, it's also like, it's given me a time to like construct this huge like momentum in it, which I think has just been like making me freak out and have like what, like a lot of people say like imposter syndrome of like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can, but like it just now, it just feels so relieving to start actually going like through the motions and like the actual like higher views and the technicals and everything. Now it kind of feels more concrete rather than like an idea of like, oh, maybe someday I'll have an interview and talk to bankers. Um, so yeah, I think that's just a lot better. You don't need to have imposter syndrome. I think you, I think you absolutely can get an offer. Um, and I've worked with so many students mm -hmm. now, so I feel like I have a pretty good gauge on like whether someone's on the right, right track or not, you know, mm -hmm. and whether you're making enough progress. And I think you are. So, um, again, we, we talk about this all the time, like, getting out of your own head and yeah. not, not letting the mental trash or the self self-limiting beliefs or whatever it may be get to you right whether it's like during the actual interview or just in general right uh i think if you're not if you're anytime you're feeling that way then um you know you message me and we can talk about it a mm -hmm. lot of times it's just like you just need some reassurances that everything's fine and everything probably is
Right? Yeah. Um, we're here to give you that moral support too. So sounds silly, but it's an, it's important. Like your your mental headspace, like making sure that that's in a good place, like that's important, right? Um, cool. So I guess we'll wait to hear back from that, right? Yeah. And in the meantime, yeah. you're now moving on to kind of your technical prep. Is that right? Yeah. So now I'm trying to do more of the technical prep. I just kind of finished accounting, the accounting part of it. Um, oh, so what I was saying previously was that from watching like all your testimonials, like people talk about like your legendary testimonials and how people get through them in like 20 hours and so and so. But like I started taking finance and accounting this year, like specifically after joining Wall Street Mastermind, when I was like, oh, I am interested in finance. And it's just, it's not the same. Like you just put all these concepts like into like this sheet that I was just saying that I like printed, which has like the, the thing. And it's just like in my head, it's so easy to walk through. Um, and yeah. it just, it just really helps. So like, I really do understand why some people, you can go from no background to like the way that you explain things. And as long as like you take notes, I think, I don't know why schools, which is just a normal thing where like, sometimes you just learn off the textbook so much easier than like with teachers. Sometimes people just like, when they teach it, they give so many circles to a simple concept and you're just kind of like, okay, CapEx, BPNE related link, that's it. Whereas yeah. like, in school, it's like, well, this and this and this, and then you just get so confused. Um, yeah, it's, um, first of all, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, we always try to tell people, you know, how good we think our technical training is, but I think it's, it's just really hard to visualize what that really means until you actually go through it, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can tell you all I want, but until I actually show you, it's just like, well, how different can it be? But it could be different, right? So I think like an easier way to explain it, and it's probably the explanation here too, is just like, I'm sure in college, you've had some professors that are really good and you have some professors that are really bad, right? And mm -hmm. the professors that are really good, they make everything like easy to understand. And it's just like, you just, you just get it. And you're just like having all these aha moments, like, oh, uh, uh, okay, 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 right? And then there's like the bad professors who are super smart, but, and they know their stuff, but like knowing your stuff and being able to teach it is like two different things, mm -hmm. right? It's kind of like, I don't know, I'm a big NBA fan. Like a lot of the NBA coaches didn't used to play in the NBA themselves. Right? It's like they're not the best basketball players, but they're really good at coaching. And so there's no secret sauce to it aside from just like, I don't know, being able to break down concepts into like a simple to understand way, which is what we try to do. Um, but so you've, I'm glad that you're, you feel like you're getting, so you finished a, uh, accounting <clears throat> yeah so I finished the accounting um what I personally did I kind of I typed up your answers and I've like highlighted the important parts of it so that I don't miss um maybe what I was so when you go through it you go through a lot sometimes like when you give an explanation of something you give like three examples um I was wondering if that's what you recommend in an interview to go through like three examples uh, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't um, no well what, what do you mean like what do you mean by like give me an example <clears throat> Um, when, for example, um, oh, like, for example, when it talked about, um, when interest, I think it was, um, oh, okay. So it was, um, 
when like, okay, oh, can I, so it was on the example, can a company have positive EBITDA, um, but still go bankrupt? So you gave like three different examples of like, um, one, like if you're going into litigation and you're going bankrupt, and then like also the fact that um, um, interest expense um, doesn't, um, isn't accounted for. Um, so it's just like different examples that you give to talk about how um, yeah. EBITDA can still be positive. So it's like, do you, is that more concrete if you give multiple examples or just one? Yeah, you can get, okay, so in that context, yes, you can give multiple examples um, if you have multiple examples, mm -hmm. right? Like each example is pretty quick. So like the overall answer is still not too long. And so that's yeah. what, right. But I mean, like at a minimum, you technically just have to give one example. Mm -hmm. right? The question is like, how can, like, give me an example of when EBITDA can be positive and you still go bankrupt. Mm -hmm. Technically, if I just give you one example, then that's the correct answer, right? Yeah. They can always ask you, like, do you have other more examples, right? And then, yeah, but you don't have to. Now, if you want to offer like two or three right off the bat up front, as long as they're all correct, you're not going to get dinged for it, right? Yeah. Okay. 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 <clears throat> so, You've gone through the three statement module. Did you go through the crash course too? The two hour crash course? I actually watched that live, but I did rewatch it. I watched it when you first gave it live, but yeah, I rewatched it. Okay, cool. So I guess like what questions do you have on the accounting side? Because obviously I know the module recovered everything. Mm -hmm. The module is like what, like under seven hours, I think. So learn about, everything. yeah. Learn everything in accounting. It's just not bad, right? This is always mm -hmm. take more than 20, 30 hours, but like anything you're unclear on or like, did you try the mock interviews at the end of the module and were you able to answer those questions or? Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely like the basic ones of like, um, um, how are they linked together and like take me through them. I'm doing like the main general ones. I think for me, I just get very, but it's just the terms, which is also a problem in my accounting class, but it's just like, learning the, the words and what they mean, um, which is fine. I think the only concept that I still like kind of don't get um, even going through them is just the adding back of DNA. Like I, I, I just, what I don't understand is when you have it on the cash flow, um, when you have it on the cash flow and you expense it the first time, like, I just don't understand. It seems like to me, it seems like you're double counting. If you're like, doing it over the period, but you already capitalized it yeah. once and that cash already went out and now you're depreciating it again and again, year after year. Yeah. This is where I wish my iPad was working, but since it's not, I will try to use my mouse pad, um, but I'm gonna write like a six-year-old, so. <laughs> okay. Um, um, so the question is basically like, why do we add back DNA on the cash listing, right? Yeah. That is what you're asking. Okay. So if you really think about it, like if we start with the income statement, right? And then we have the cash flow statement. And then, I mean, there's also obviously balance sheet, but we're not going to touch that in this case for this question. So what happened on the income statement is like you start with revenue, mm -hmm. right? And then you're subtracting out all of your expenses to get mm -hmm. down to net income. Right. 
and expenses could be a lot of things, right? It could be like, you know, cogs, right? Mm -hmm. profit, then you subtract out OPEX, right? And then you also subtract out like interest expense. And then you also subtract out taxes. So there's like all these things in the middle of the income statement where this is like what the company is spending money on, right? So then mm -hmm. this is the money, revenue is the money that they're making. You subtract out all the things that they have to pay out and then you get to like basically a profit number, which is net income, right? Then we start the cash flow statement with net income as the first line, right? So this number just gets carried over to the top. And then the reason why we're adding back DNA here, right? That's like one of the first things we do, right? Add back DNA. Um, you gotta understand, like when we're subtracting out these expenses, um, the, let's see here. How do I, the OPEX and the COGS, these two items, can be either, uh, actually, let me draw. So I'll just box this. These two items can be either cash expense, okay? Or it can be non-cash. Mm -hmm. You understand that concept, right? Which is yeah. like, some of them are actual cash expenses where the company is like, literally paying cash out of their bank account to whoever. Mm -hmm. right? Then there's the non-cash expenses, which are expenses like depreciation and amortization, which is, which is included in the COGS and the OPEX line items, right? So like, for example, I might say like, okay, COGS, let's say pretend like COGS is $100 total COGS, but like, only 80 of that is cash. Mm -hmm. And then there's like $20 of DNA. Yeah. Okay. So there's $20 of DNA here. And then let's say OPEX is like $200. Okay. And then like, again, you can break that out to be, let's say it's 150 cash. And then there's 50 of DNA. Okay. So then like the total DNA is what? 20 plus 50, so it's 70. Mm -hmm. That means that there's $70 of non-cash expense baked into the COGS and OPEX numbers, which lowered your net income by, well, you have to tax effect to 70, but let's assume like, let's say tax rate is 20%, right? So if tax rate is 20%, that means that the non-cash expenses lowered my pre-tax income by 70, which means it lowered my taxes by 14. Because mm -hmm. uh, 14 is 20% of 70. Mm -hmm. right? And to do the mental math, you just do 70, 10% of 70 is seven, and then mm -hmm. seven, right? So if pre-tax income is lowered by 14, but taxes is lowered by, sorry, pre-tax income is lowered by 70, Taxes is lower by 14. That means that net income is lower by 56. 
right? Now, when we go to the cash flow statement, though, so this is down by 56. When we go to the cash flow statement, though, what is the cash flow statement? The cash flow statement is supposed to show um, how much cash actually went in or out of the business during the same period as the income statement, right? The income statement is showing you like how much profit did we generate during this past year? Like, let's say this is a 2021 income, uh, 2021 income statement. How much profit did we generate in 2021, right? But then when I look at the 2021 cash flow statement, what I'm looking for is like how much cash actually went in or out of the business. Mm -hmm. Since the non-cash expense is non-cash, that means that the cash, even though we recorded $70 of expenses on the income statement, it's not like $70 of cash actually went out the door. Okay. Right? That's why we're adding it back. So we're taking this 50 and adding it back here, taking this 20 and adding it back here. So we're going to add back 70 here. But I think, so I think then like, I get that, but I think that I just don't understand. I mean, DNA is just, it's, it's a concept. It's not cash. Like I feel like when you, when you capitalize it and you expense it, the first time that you buy the equipment, that is when you like expense it as a cash expense. But then DNA, how is that actual cash in your business? I'll put it this way. The reason why net income is the first line on the cash flow statement is that if we had to choose one line item from the income statement out of all the line items on the income statement, if we are going to choose one, to serve as the closest representation of cash flow or the closest proxy for how much cash came in or out of the business, it will be net income, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because revenue is the cash that's coming in and then all the expenses are all the cash that's going out, mm -hmm. right? So then technically, if all of these expenses were cash expenses, then this would just be the actual cash flow, mm -hmm. right? But we're saying these expenses are not cash expenses, right? This mm -hmm. 20 and this 50 are not cash expenses. So this net income number is not a pure cash number, mm -hmm. right? So that's right. why we use right. it. You know, we use it as a starting point because it's the closest thing. We have to reverse mm -hmm. cash transactions. We have to undo it basically. Right. We remove the impact of these non-cash transactions to effectively get to, we can call it a cash net income. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So to go back, like depreciation, I get that it you depreciate an asset over time, but to go back, it's kind of the value of the asset if you were to sell it in the future. Yes. Kind of like no. Yeah, this way, it's like if you buy if you buy a piece of equipment, it's a hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. And actually, let's not use $100. Let's say you buy a piece of equipment and it's $360. Okay. Like you buy a laptop for your employee because your employees need laptops to work, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. $360, super cheap, crappy laptop, whatever. Because laptop's useful life is three years. Yep. That means that even though you bought this in year one, it's not fair to burden 
the income statement that year with $360 of expenses. Mm-hmm. But then you can say, okay, year one costs $360. Year two costs zero and yeah. year costs zero, right? Then it's going to make your income statement look skewed. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Because your net income is going to be uh, artificially lower right. okay. in year one. And then like year two and year yeah. three, it's going to look higher. Now, when yeah. you're looking at the income statement and you're trying to compare like what's happening from year to year, it's no longer like a fair comparison, right? It's like the trends are going to look weird. You're like, why are we, why are we so much more profitable in year two and year three? Yes. It's not because the business oh. is not better, right? So mm-hmm. instead, depreciation just allows you to spread it out. So you're saying like, we're only going to allocate one third of this is really the cash flow impact, right? The cash flow is that $360 went out the door in year one and then no cash went out the door in year two. But if you're looking at like a profit, like a PL, which is also like what an income statement is short for, yeah. profit and loss, then you wanna do it this way because it's, it's more fair. You're spreading it across, right? So that's the concept of depreciation is like, this is an accounting rule. This is an accounting construct where we're saying, hey, I know the cash already went out the door, but I'm going to spread out the expense over three years because we're going to benefit from using this laptop for all three years. Yeah. Yeah. The other way to think about it is like, if I only use the laptop for one year and then I decide to sell it Mm -hmm. and I've used up about a third of the value, right? So the, the, the asset value has depreciated by $120. And if I were to sell it at the end of year one, I should still be able to get $240 for it, right? Because this yep. laptop could be used for two Yep. Yeah, yeah, that was my question, yeah. And if I sell at the end of year two, then this also goes away because I used it. Yeah. And now I can only sell it for 120, right? Yeah. It's like cars, you buy a new car, you drive it off the lot, it depreciates. Like if you now try to sell it as a used car, you're going to get less for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Depreciates. Does yep. that make sense? Yeah. Yes. But when your car is depreciating, you're not actually like paying cash to people. It's just that mm-hmm. the value of this asset has gone down over time because now it's older, and it's more. Yeah. Money. So, but so yeah, yeah. No, it all makes sense. So if the fr- the first so like when you buy equipment, like I'm thinking on your example. So year zero, normally there's not there's no change on the income statement, and then you have the cash flow statement and you it goes under cash flow from investing activities because you you capitalize the first time you you buy it right so that doesn't affect the income statement and so it's a negative negative it's negative because you you took it so it's a negative cash flow but then as the years pass and you're adding dna it's like you're adding back what you subtracted that first time now over the years yeah you're at, so Okay, I see what you're saying. That was like what I was like trying to um, understand. That's what you're doing, right? You, you are adding back the impact, but if you think about it, it's like going back to that example, really like if we draw the timeline, we should say year zero, which is like today, that's mm-hmm. like the time of purchase, right? Then there's end of year one, end of year two, End of year three, okay. And then so basically what happened is in year zero, 
you had a $360 cash outflow. Okay. And then in year one, um, you're adding back the 120. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Year two, you add back another 120. In year three, you add back another 120. And then so it nets out to zero. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's, that's, that's exactly what I just wanted to, yeah. Yeah. Understand. Yeah. Okay. So you, you're, you're like, you're, you're, this is, this is why you're taking this cash flow, mm -hmm. which is all in year zero, which all happened in year zero and you're just spreading that, spreading yeah. like the third goes here, the third goes here and the third goes here. And now you're like, it's easy. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. Okay. So I mean, like, this is an important concept because the relationship between PP and E on the balance sheet and CapEx and cash flow statement mm -hmm. and depreciation on income statement, um, that relationship is like one of the most important links, I would say, mm -hmm. amongst the three statements. So you gotta make sure you're really, really, uh, really, really clear on that, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and like, if we visualize it, it's kind of like, um, like if this was a chart, like you, you could say, um, uh, what's, the, what's the best way to draw this actually? So we could draw like a waterfall, right? So I could say like, this is your starting PPE, plant property and equipment, right? And then basically the way that the PPE balance changes is like anytime you spend money on CapEx, it adds to it, right? Or, oops, CapEx is basically just buying new PPE, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, like if my PPE originally was a hundred and I spent 50 on CapEx, that means that my new PPE balance is 150, right? Mm -hmm. And then now I'm at 150, so this, <clears throat> this is 150. Yeah. Right here is 100. And then now depreciation, let's say like I had to depreciate this asset by, I don't know, 20. Okay, so this is depreciation. Mm -hmm. It's minus 20. So now we're at 130. Mm -hmm. This is our ending PPA. Right? Yeah. So that's how you like kind of visualize like the relationship between these three things is like, CapEx means you're adding to the PPE balance. Depreciation means you're subtracting from the PPE balance. And then so this is like beginning. And then this is like ending. Oh, so hard to draw on mouse pad. Anyway, you got it. So this is 130. Got it. Yeah. Makes sense? Yep. Okay. Cool.
What else? What are the questions you have? Really you? on the on that, it, it's really that. I think it's very straightforward. The modules really give it straightforward. It was just really that. Um, I just need to just get more and more. For, I mean, the, the concepts I know, it's just a lot of them are so like, it's just weird concepts to me, like deferred and um, and and so, but it's just, I mean, I, I, I just have to go through them. I think for the for the next few modules, I'll, I'll probably have more questions with the new concepts, but I think for accounting, I'm pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think with these, um, now that you understand the underlying concepts, mm -hmm. uh, the key is to just like, do practice problems, right? But now when you're doing practice problems, you're not like just trying to memorize the answers anymore because you actually understand the concepts. Yeah. So, you know, there's the mock interview questions at the end of the modules. And of course, like, I'm sure you have a bunch of other like interview guides and whatnot where you can get questions from. There's also now like websites online like um, IB Vine and Chancery and they okay. basically like, it's like a flashcard app where they give you like these pop quizzes. And so you can like test yourself see if you're able to answer the questions and like if you run into a question that you just can't figure out or you don't mm -hmm. understand the answer even after you look at the answer then um then you just come to slack channels the technical question channel and ask questions or come to office hours and ask those questions there and uh that's and then like that's how you learn right okay um what did you say the page it was ib vine ib vine is one um there's another one called Chancery, which actually was uh, built by someone in Wall Street Mastermind. <laughs> oh. Not affiliated with Wall Street Mastermind, but <laughs> there's one of our students actually, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so both of those are kind of flashcard apps. And then you have like all the interview guides and stuff, right? Like, yeah. I don't like learning concepts off of the interview guys because they don't really do as good of a job as explaining, I think. But like, I think mm -hmm. what those guys are really good for is just as a question bank Okay. questions in there and you can just like test yourself right? yeah that makes sense okay um yeah i think that's for that um yeah but just, i guess like before we meet next time you'll just keep going through the technical modules and i guess next up is probably valuation right yeah those are the next few so i'll try to complete that for my i will i'll complete it by next monday yeah yeah, I mean, if I look at the valuation module, I think it's, uh, is it a little bit longer? I'm trying to think. Um, here, I have it right here. It's about, oh no, it's about six hours. So, you know, you should hopefully be able to get through it, but if for some reason you need a bit more time or whatever, just let me know and then we can okay. start checking back or whatever. But um, valuation is like probably the most important technical module because I think like in a technical interview, like the most number of questions you get are typically valuation questions. Mm -hmm. uh, so definitely make sure you pay extra close attention to this one, especially the, uh, I mean, they're all important. Trading comps, pressing transactions and BCFs, but mm -hmm. also BCFs in particular is the one where there's a lot of different variables that they can ask you about like mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you calculate that how do they all kind of like interplay with each other and so um, it's an important module to get right okay okay i'll go through that then cool. um great 
Okay. okay. Sounds good. All righty. Well, uh, if you have any more questions, then we'll wrap it up here and then uh, I'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thank you, Sam. All right. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoy the content, please subscribe to our channel or podcast so that you can get notified of all of our future episodes as well. If you'd like to apply to work with us so that we can help you in a similar way, feel free to reach out to our team at www.wallstreetmastermind.com apply. The street is abbreviated to ST, so it's wallstmastermind.com apply. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to this episode. Interested in discovering how you can get personalized one-on-one coaching from Wall Street Mastermind to help you beat out the massive amount of competition out there? Head on over to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. And the street is abbreviated to ST, so it's really wallstmastermind.com slash apply. And our team looks forward to speaking with you.